1: Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go.
0: You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan. So happy to be with you here today. I'm here with my big sister, Julie Dolan, who's in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Julie, what's happening there in Dallas?
1: Hey, Leon. It's good to talk with you. I'm always happy to. T- it's Tuesday. I'm excited, Liam.
0: <laughs> yeah, I realized that. Sort of came in a little blasé, but we have a huge show because it is a super-sized Downton Gabby today. It was a supersized episode of Downton Abbey this weekend. We have done some thorough preparation for this recap. Uh, There is speculation about what we're going to see in the finale. And it's hard to believe there's only one Downton Abbey left. I started to get a little sad, didn't you, this
1: week? I know. I know. This episode in particular, when... It's going, you're going to be able to watch this over and over again. It would just had so many different elements to it. So yes, I don't know what we're going to do. I know. Uh, And then also the good wife is ending. So for
0: me, Sundays are really going to change (laughs) because those, I, those two things have been building blocks of basically my whole week for the last six years. So, uh, so we are going to get to Downton Abbey, supersized version, much speculation on the Facebook page about who's going to, who's coming back for the last show and who might die for the last show. We're going to talk about that. Um Julie, you have the final word on how to get a good night's sleep. It's exciting. I've got a number
1: for you, Leon. A number. This is it. This is going to change your life or at least your nights. Okay. That's what I'm going to tell you. We're going to
0: talk about the tyranny of perfect. It's a new book out, but it's been excerpted in more magazine. Julie wants to tell us about, well, you've been trying to be perfect for many years, Julie. Are you? you... I know
1: I have. I know, Leanne. I know. And I've given up, but, um, and now I have the justification for it, but there's a lot of perfection going on out there, Leanne, and we just have to stop it.
0: Well, there was a funny post on our Facebook group that just made me laugh out loud because it just took me back to, you know, back to the days of competitive volunteering. So we're going to talk a little (laughs) bit about that. And you have a pick and a pan. Um, But first of all, we have to acknowledge that it's two excellent days today. According to, I don't know, the internet, uh, it's National (laughs) Toast Day. Which I thought it was the year of toast. I thought it was the year of toast. I'm glad toast gets a day, but I think it's been the year of toast, don't you?
1: (laughs) I I feel like there have been other national toast days, but we're fine with that because you and I, you know, we launched the campaign to bring back toast when toast went out of favor. but uh, And I think we've done a fine job with that, Liam.
0: And I'd also like to acknowledge National Banana Bread Day, which, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I love banana bread. And last week for my birthday, my friend Susan, who makes wonderful banana bread, she brought me like my own personal loaf of banana bread. So I don't know if she was anticipating National Banana Bread Day or not, but banana bread is delicious and it okay. does deserve its own day.
1: Well, Lee, and I have to ask the obvious question. Did you toast the banana bread?
0: <laughs> I totally did. Totally did, Julie. With a little mascarpone cheese on it. Mm. Yeah. And some pomegranate seeds. So it's. Yeah, I know you
1: love those pomegranate seeds. It's just I mean, a
0: refreshing yeah. nugget on anything—a pomegranate seed. So, a excellent days. So happy National Toast Day. Happy Banana Bread Day. And Julie, isn't it wasn't it yesterday Margarita Day? Did you celebrate Margarita that? Margarita
1: Day? I did not, Leanne, but I saw lots of pictures on her Facebook page. People, you know, mixing up margaritas. You know, and uh, I feel like you could still sell. There's still time to celebrate National Margarita Day. So, yeah, and wasn't it just drinking wine day the other it day was, I mean, was, yeah. again <laughs> who is making up all these days we want to get to the bottom of that okay we'll have to do some research or Who's not in charge of days yeah or know? not just
0: let it be i i think it's fine okay. if the internet decides today we drink margaritas today we eat banana bread i'm fine with that okay. those are not life-changing decisions you know <laughs> i think those are the decisions that the people can handle <laughs> so okay. i think it's excellent but um, I, I just want to say I had a fantastic four-day birthday weekend. I did not anticipate having such a big celebration for my fifty-first birthday, which is really—it's not it's an exciting. off year.
1: It's a bad year. Yeah, man. let's just face it. Yeah, it's neither here nor there. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah. But yeah, good cuz we I failed to wish you happy birthday on our last Tuesday show and I felt a little badly about that. No. So, uh, you know, so you had a good celebration? Yeah, it just kept
0: it kept going on and on and on but in a good way. Sometimes I am not a big birthday person and uh, you know, I enjoy celebrating my birthday but I'm not someone who is like what are you going to do for my birthday? I'm going to take the day off for my birthday. I'm going to do I'm I'm happy to be acknowledged with a card or a posting on Facebook or whatever, but I don't I especially don't like birthday celebrations that go on and on, but this one just kept going on and on and I enjoyed it. I had two friends take me out to lunch on my actual birthday, which was very nice. My husband was out of town, so there wasn't going to be any celebration with him. He didn't get home till nine o'clock that night. And then one of our Satellite Sisters listeners contacted me. She was going to be in Pasadena. For a beautiful modern quilt show so she she jokingly said not jokingly she invited me she goes would you like to take a tour of the quilt show and I couldn't say no because I like quilts I do think of them as works of art I was interested in the material and it was really like a mile from my house so and it fit into my birthday afternoon schedule beautifully I had lunch with my friends I went to see a quilt show, which was absolutely beautiful. I'd like to thank Jennifer Price for extending an invitation. She got me a press pass there at the quilt show. We wandered around for about an hour and a half and saw all kinds of beautiful modern quilts. They were spectacular, Julie. I put a whole bunch of pictures.
1: You posted some of of those on our Facebook group page and also on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. They looked like dramatic, dramatic, spectacular uh, unique, um, really, it must have, and colorful, so colorful.
0: And stunning. Some of them were really strong political statements, like really works of art as political statements. There was one that commemorated the Boston Marathon burnt, bombing. You know, there were others that uh, uh, sort of one very emotional quilt, that one that was made from um, the quilter's brother's jeans. He had died from cancer, and so she incorporated all his jeans and his shirts into a – beautiful quilt that just made a really powerful statement and you know it was surprising how moving uh these quilts could be they were like living breathing works of art it was wonderful and jennifer was a great tour guide and i'd like to thank the modern quilting guild for inviting me uh to wander around because i absolutely loved it so that was great and then there was a yoga class after that. I enjoyed that. And then on Saturday, my husband arrived home late from Houston um, Friday night, and Saturday morning he surprised me by saying, "Let's go to the Getty Museum." And it was okay, a okay. Be- way
1: to go, husband! I know. Okay. That's he good. just he had a pl- he had a plan, Lena.
0: I like that. We did not drift forward like we do many Saturdays with me asking endlessly. So, what are you doing today? Do you do, what is there? Are we doing something today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like how you say that drift forward. You yes. Just,
0: so, and you know, when you work out of your house, like on the weekends, you like to leave your house and my husband yes. is gone most of the week. So when he comes home on Saturdays, he does it. So that yes. is one of the big differences that I found. Like I like to get out and about on the weekends cause I'm here all day, like sitting in my bed in my bedroom working eight to 10 hours a day and he is not so but we went to the getty museum we got up I, unbelievably i have never been to the getty in los angeles there this is the spectacular one up on the hill
1: you've
0: never been there Lynn? no uh, julie i don't know how i missed it on class field trips <laughs> you know i hated volunteering to be on field trips that was the worst volunteer duty <laughs> Baric, uh <laughs> my husband has had taken our own mother and father not once but twice to the getty but those are right. u- usually yes. times when i was working on polishing the silver for thanksgiving and i would just say to him please get them out of the house and they would go <laughs> to the getty so i one time i was supposed to meet a friend and his plane was late and we didn't get there i've had several like attempts but never made it so it was an absolutely gorgeous day at the getty it was it was packed with families it's just a lovely place it's totally free apparently jay paul getty just bought everything in france and moved it to malibu like they had yes. so they have so many works of art it's yes, just they
1: do liam holy it's cow spectacular it is a must see if you if you if you're visiting la uh, it is I would put it on the you know top 10 places uh to go and see it LA. is I no mean doubt. for the
0: last five years I basically pretended that I went to the Getty when people say oh, oh is the Getty no. worth going to oh yeah go to the Getty yeah, it's totally worth going to I was just lying you know it's like reading Moby Dick yeah it's a great book read it uh no it was it was unbelievable it was a beautiful day and then we you know we met Liz for lunch again we never see Liz on the weekends because we only live 25 miles apart but in Los Angeles that can take two hours so I called her up Saturday. And, I'm like, and
1: Liz is always traveling, so the last thing she wants to do on the weekend is travel. So right. Yeah. So well, we that's had good. Lovely good.
0: lunch, lovely late birthday lunch. And then uh Sunday we just I had the kids over Sunday night for dinner. It was family dinner. And then last night two of my good friends hosted a lovely dinner for me for there were seven of us girls night out dinner where there was laughter and there were party hats and there were petty fours and there were gifts and flowers and cards and we just had so much fun so it was like four solid days of birthday fun excellent it was excellent well,
1: that is plenty of birthday celebration plenty for you,
0: little plenty. plenty you know what okay, you've had plenty and i declared i said next year i'm just i'm gonna take the birthday off let's do this every other year like <laughs> You know, I'm good for like that's yeah. good, yeah. You're set good every other year, but it was fantastic. But thanks to Jennifer who set the quilting thing up, and it was just a really fun, beautiful weekend. I really enjoyed it. So, good. um, so thank you, you to have all of you.
1: You have another weekend coming up. You're coming to Austin, Texas. Lady. I am coming you're to not Austin, Texas, me, but you're going to Austin, right? Well,
0: again, Austin and Dallas are not the same city, correct? We're, we're...
1: they are not the okay, m- they're not <laughs> close. Land. Not like, yeah. the least bit close. I don't okay. feel badly. There's no guilt associated okay. with
0: that. No, uh, I don't. Like it's like people saying, "Oh, I'm coming to San Diego." Okay. I don't live there, so good for you. I or <laughs> you know, or San Francisco. Like we're not, it's not the same city. California is a big state. Texas is the same. So, but uh, we have confirmed that there will be a Satellite Sisters meetup. We're doing it on. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look this up, or else I'm gonna absolutely get the date and the time wrong. Was um, I? I can't believe February is ending. That sort of surprised me. So uh, the meetup is going to be Thursday, February third, from five to seven. No,
1: no, no, no March, 3rd. Uh, March third. Be- Sorry,
0: Julie, March third. Thursday. Up
1: right away. Okay. Thursday, March
0: third, from five to seven at what I believe is a classic Austin hangout, Bangers. So, which is like a German beer garden and sausage. And uh, it got the thumbs up from several Texans and people in the area. So I will post more about this on the Facebook page and also on our website, although our website is a little wonky right now. So I will do my best. But that is it. If you are in the Austin area and would like to swing by, it is a casual no-host meetup at Banger's. Uh, soon. Uh, very, very soon. Because February is ending, so March third, five to
1: seven, bangers in Austin. So that's yeah, it's the always it's always tricky when you have like a month end in the middle of a week. It is, and then you get it, a new month in that same week. That that really throws a lot of people off, lands. So yeah, yes, it, I understand that. But yeah. a good choice, a German place. Yeah, we have German heritage. <laughs> You know there are a lot of Germans that settled in Texas. People don't always know that, but uh, so I, I think it's going to be good, Leon. I think yeah. it's going to be a good choice for you. So thanks to Betsy. Uh, you know Betsy was
0: there in Nagadocious with you, and she's going to yes. be there in she's going to be there in Austin. She is our she's been deputized to run Texas for the Satellite Sister. She's yes, our she campaign
1: is. manager there, <laughs> and she will she'll be great on social media too, Leon. I, I know there's going to be a lot of picks, so I'm looking forward to that. Good work, Betsy. Yeah, so, and she's
0: bringing her son, and I think my husband may be there. I can't guarantee, well, but oh, he.
1: Oh well, that is a bonus round to have a spotting of a satellite sister husband. Yeah, so, that's so good, you know. yeah,
0: I thought he had a, a work dinner. That's why I picked that night. But no, turns out he was not invited to that. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> so he's, he's happy. he has German
1: heritage as well. Yeah, so he's he will enjoy that. That's exactly so what full I said. Report, and I looked.
0: Exactly what I said to Betsy. I said, that's a great choice because he loves a German beer and a German sausage. So, excellent. So, that's the plan in Austin, Texas next week. Excited
1: to go there. Okay, Leanne. Well, I wanted to tell you about an article I read. We're sort of shifting gears here, but I just – it was – it's so well done. I want to call people's attention to it. It's written by Deborah Spar, and she's the president of Barnard um, College uh, in New York. And she wrote an article in the February issue of Moore magazine called The Tyranny of Perfect. And this is really, and it starts off in this article, it's about her own, her own life. Here she is. She's president of a university and she, you know, it was uh, springtime in New York and she had arranged to take, to go with her husband and her three children for a weekend in the country. Okay. And she had just planned that they were going to have a nice barbecue, that they were going to make apple dumplings. There was going to be swimming and canoeing. And well, it didn't quite turn out. That way, uh, that immediately she started screaming at her 12 year old child who had failed to wash their hands before starting to make some things, make prepare some of the food. She was yelling at her 18 year old because the 18 year old was just morose and uh, just yeah. not helping at all. And then she was mad at the 15 year old who apparently was sick but had failed to mention that he was sick before they left. And then because she was screaming at her kids, her husband mentioned that. And so she started screaming at her husband. So all in all, just a wonderful, perfect weekend. But she was, she was making the point that women, you know, feel buffeted by this ever expanding set of wholly unrealistic goals for a successful work life and a successful home life that you have to be sexy. You have to be sophisticated. You have to have your hair, your nails have to be perfectly done. You have to have Pilates arms. You have to, she calls it Gerber babies and husbands that care that, that increasingly women are in a position where they are trying to do more and they're trying to do it all perfectly yeah. you know that even more so i mean she she gives a very you know um specific example when you think about halloween in the 1970s if you were around it was essentially you got yourself some kind of mask from the drugstore and your mother sent you out with a pillowcase to collect candy in the neighborhood well you can't do that now halloween yeah. 2016 that's not what happens it you know It's elaborate costumes, you've got to have pumpkins that are carved a la Martha Stewart, you know, you've got to have extensive decorations, but, you know, everywhere we look, social media, television, every, you know, we just now have such high, you know, high standards, perfect standards of all aspects of our life it's killing us. It is. I know. And it's not helpful when it
0: is reinforced. I don't like to blame the media for things, but it's reinforced so much in the media. You know, every interview you've ever seen with a, you know, young star who's had a baby makes it sound like it's the best thing ever. And they lost their baby weight and this is what their baby shower looked like. And it's just real, it's perpetrated by other women in the media, which is shocking.
1: Right, right. I mean, she asks the, she poses the question in this uh, *Moore* magazine article. Do you know anyone that is doing it all perfectly? And she said, of course her, her answer is, of course not, but when I read that, I was like, well, yeah, I look around and I <laughs> see people they, they seem to be doing it pretty perfectly. Yeah. you know they have the job, the perfect kids, the perfect house, the perfect husband. I don't know, maybe they're not. Maybe they're screaming when I'm behind closed doors and I assume that they are. but you know she was saying that we now have we you know we just have this these what she's calling collective patterns. You know, of, you know, that with such high goals and that the only way to break out of this is to start, you know, setting like more humble goals uh, and more realistic goals about what really should happen You know, in your home life, with your family, with your friends, at celebrations, you know, in, you know, what you can expect in the workplace uh, and what you can expect of yourself, you know, sort of physically, intellectually, you know, emotionally and all of that. But that does, that sounds hard to do. That sounds hard to get out of this trap of perfection.
0: But once you do, I think it's a huge relief. Like, But it usually takes like hitting low. Usually takes a breaking point like that weekend in the country where you're yelling and screaming or a volunteer activity that absolutely puts you over the edge. Or, you know, on a more serious note, like something your child starts to suffer depression or anxiety or something really serious. There's a glitch in the fabric of perfect and you have to sort of restock and take a step back. And then it's just a huge relief once you get off. You know, the, once you get off the perfect track, it is a huge relief, but it it's right. really hard to do because yeah, it is this like giant train that's moving forward and you just have to get on it. And you see with, um, you know, take that, take the, take the Halloween example. Like what I saw yes. over my years of school volunteering was. Like we would do one nice thing one year and then the next year would have to be bigger and more successful. And the next year after that, even bigger and more successful. And oh, now it's a fundraising thing. And now we have to make more money and more money, more money. So the original purpose was just totally lost because, you know, everyone was sort of gearing up to do it better and better and better. So yeah, it's
1: as simple as okay. And I think you're right. I think you reach a point one way or another. And a lot of times it's through some kind of traumatic event that you just like, this is where you're chasing the wrong things that this, this doesn't make sense. It's not, you know, you're not going to feel any better, you know, and, uh, and you really got to focus on what's, the most important to you, you know, and you got to let the other stuff go. So, uh, well, this weekend I'm, I'm actually doing,
0: um, I was asked to appear at a charity event. It's a fundraiser for, uh, parent ed classes that go from, you know, infancy all through teens. And, um, they were fans of the chaos chronicles and the organizing committee, a friend of mine came to me and said, Oh, will you do this? We want you to be like the speaker, the entertainment at this evening event. And, um, I said, <laughs> I said yes because it's my friend, uh, and then I realized, oh gosh, that's a lot of work. I really haven't. They essentially wanted me to do like a twenty-minute stand-up about modern parenting, and I had to keep explaining, oh. I don't, I don't do stand-ups. You know, I. People say all the time, oh, you should be stand-up, but that's a totally different thing. And so please don't set that expectation because then people expect you to come and do joke, 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 joke. But I can put together some funny material. And I realized, oh, I haven't done straight-up parenting material in a long time. You know, a couple of years, it's not like uh, I just automatically have a 20-minute great monologue ready to go on modern parenting. So I spent the weekend, I spent all day Sunday and yesterday looking at uh, old Columns that I had done for Working Mother and for the Chaos Chronicles blog and for Oprah.com, where I read all about this stuff, and it was so much of it was this notion. Now looking back, that I have an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old, like what mistakes I made, like when I was trying to be the perfect parent, or you know, trying to get them shape them up to be the perfect kids, or trying to shape up our house to be the perfect house, and you know that is where it all falls apart. But there was a line in one of my pieces that stuck out, and it's not. Funny, But it was true. Uh, And I think it's still true where I I wrote, um, you know, parents used to want their children's children to have better lives than they did. But now we want our children to have better resumes than we did and uh and I and I see that I see this intense parental pressure where we live and right. you know kids are doing things in high school that we used to do maybe when we graduated from college <laughs> you know internships and summer programs and study abroad and all of this kind of stuff and and that just takes its toll on the whole family that sort of march towards like build the resume right. make it perfect get it right it's just it's exhausting and I so it was kind of interesting to Take a look back, and I I do sort of focus on one point where it was just a breaking point for me, where I was doing Satellite Sisters six days a week. I had young kids. We used to record the show on Saturday mornings, so for me on the West Coast, that meant getting up at 4 a.m. doing the three-hour show. I get home by like one, and there was one time when I actually, for three years in a row, I was the MC at a fashion show. <laughs> Like a kitty fashion show, <laughs> and again, the intent was all good. Like, but it was—I remember sitting in this fancy club in Los Angeles and having this this overactive volunteer barking at me because I wasn't reading the copyright, and I had worked six days, and my husband was God knows where with the kids and probably hadn't fed him. And I look around, I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight. I'm here with other people's children, raising money for even other people's children. Where are my children? What am I doing here? (laughs) What is happening? How did I get here? And after that, I just said no to everything I was asked to do on the weekends. I completely rejiggered all of that kind of stuff. But it does take a huge breaking point. And I was just sort of reliving it all this this over the last couple of days. So it's funny you should mention this. So. Yeah. Or not well, funny. The book,
1: Her book is called uh, Deborah Spar is her name. The book is called Wonder Woman, Women, Sex, Power and the Quest for Perfection. Mm-hmm. And the Tyranny of Perfect is the article that's in Moore magazine. But it's just you have to make choices to set more humble, humble goals. I mean, that's her only solution. Uh because uh you know it is just you know we get on this you know on this treadmill and it's really hard to get off
0: and you can you can do it the world will yeah. not cave in you know right. you can say right. no to things you can your child doesn't you can have
1: leave to- the dishes in the in the sink yeah i know we criticize madam secretary every week uh i <laughs> hear satellite sisters that nobody's doing the breakfast dishes in that house but uh you can leave them in the sink. Yeah. You totally leave them in the sink. Yeah. There's a million
0: choices you can make to not be on that treadmill. Well, one of the uh, Kathleen posted on our Facebook page uh, last night, which just made me laugh. The Satellite Sisters group page. We get new members every week. We love seeing you. So just check in with us. All you have to do is ask to be a member and we will approve you. Um, but Kathleen wrote, what is up with competitive volunteering? I spent a lovely morning sorting Girl Scout cookies, which I know. For my friends who are Girl Scout moms, that's like a full-time job with two Scouts until another mom showed up and was comparing our efficiency to hers. What's the point? Who are these people? This competitive volunteerism. Oh, there's a lot of funny comments too, but that's it. Like, you know, just, it's just Girl Scout cookies. But a long right. time ago, it stopped being just Girl Scout cookies. Everything is right. better, bigger, better resume building experiences for all involved. And it's
1: it's crazy nuts, crazy nuts. It's, it's, it's this quest for perfection. Yep. that We just, you know, and uh, we got to really step back from it. Yeah. So we're starting here. I mean, it's easy for satellite sisters. I think we're setting a prime example of, of the imperfect lean. So uh, we're good at it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um I have another story for you, Liam. Okay. And this is this is thirty year over thirty year struggle with my husband to find the right temperature for sleeping in our household. Oh. Okay. For my husband, it's somewhere about forty or fifty <laughs> degrees. That's what he would like. I mean, he would really be happier just sleeping outside most <laughs> most nights. Okay. And for me, I know I like it cozy. I like it more like 70 degrees, okay? But there is some new research out today um, reporting that there is an ideal temperature for sleeping, that research has been done, and that you, in fact, will get fall asleep, get a better night's sleep if you set your thermostat to 65 degrees that this is this is you know the optimal um uh temperature for uh, for sleeping. Do you do you like it cold when you're sleeping? I do like no? it cold.
0: That is right about where we are. So yeah, for sleeping, yeah, we're down at like 64 65. Yep. And okay. then you can pile the blankets on and if you want, you know, you can but right. yeah, my husband likes it cool. I also like it cool.
1: Okay, well, I don't. And so anyway, <laughs> but this is that's good for you because you know, when you think about it in a a modern culture that we have pretty much eliminated, you know, sort of the, uh, the daily cycle of temperatures, you know, that if you lived in a tent, you would notice that it was warmer during the day and colder at night. But because we live in modern buildings where the temperature is regulated, you don't always see that. But we, in order to get into our natural sleep patterns we should we should be reducing what we really what the scientists say is that you want to drop your core body temperature two to three degrees in order to initiate sleep oh that's okay okay so and that let's say you 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 know you're still having another so so setting the thermostat to 65. Another way again to induce sleep through through temperature is to take a bath at night, Leon, Because um, because when you get out of a bath, your your core body temperature will naturally be uh, more chilled than if you got out of a shower even. Now, this research is coming out of London, and you know how crazy Brits are about their bathtubs. So I think there may be some bias in that, but you might <laughs> want to try it. That a hot bath works the same to cool off, to to reduce your core body temperature. That's very important. Okay, that now, doesn't other, make any sense to me at all. Why? To take a hot well, bath? Why a hot from, bath reduces
0: your core temperature?
1: When you get out of the bathtub, Leanne. Well, I guess you if your house
0: is like, you know, 40
1: degrees, but... Okay, okay. It's reason. Just try it, Leanne. Okay. Just all I'm saying is stop, stop arguing, and right. just try it. And then the third thing, which uh, you know, they said that you will find that because you're sleeping in a cooler envi- environment, your extremities are gonna are are going to naturally cool off. Your toes, you know, your fingers might get cold. So it's perfectly fine to put on socks. Perfectly fine. That can help your sleep too. To keep to you know, so because if you have cold feet, you can't. That's going to wake you up. Yeah, you right? can't sleep with cold feet. But okay,
0: this is really some heavy hitting research. So the Brits say, (laughs) take
1: a bath and put on socks. I've I've been fighting about this for 30 years. So I found this like, I mean, it's humbling. I'm just going to have to go with the lower set um, thermostat in our house. I'm just going to have to face it because that's better for us, you know, but there is a new product out. It's called an eight sleep tracker. And this is a mattress cover. And that for couples, this allows couples to manage the temperature on different sides of the um, of the mattress. So if you like it warmer and your husband likes it colder or your partner likes it colder, then you can do that. That's called Eight Sleep Tracker. What do you think about that? <laughs> no? Apparently, you don't have this problem, Leanne. But I'm saying if it, yeah. there are people out there that have this problem that just fight about the temperature all the time. So that's it. Or, <laughs> or then you've done them a service.
0: Done them a great service, yes. Julie. Just turn down I the have. temperature and get yourself some socks.
1: Is what I would say. <laughs> okay, Leon. Um, I um, I have a you know it's Tuesday and occasionally I do some picks and some pans on Tuesday, uh, and I have one pan for you, which is again, it's a movie that I have not seen, but I saw the trailer, <laughs> okay. and nobody should go see that movie, The Witch. Have you seen the trailer Oh for that my week? gosh,
0: it looks fantastic.
1: You oh my stuff? gosh,
0: it's getting fantastic reviews. I it is supposed to be terror, uh, just a terror field filled, you know, two hours set in- You're
1: never going to sleep if you, if you watch that movie. Yeah, you no, I'm not
0: going to go sleep. because I don't like scary movies, but no, yeah. I think, I mean, the movie is getting brilliant reviews. So right, don't I'm, go okay. because you don't want to be scared, but don't go because it looks bad. It looks great. I, I don't want to go because I was going to be scared. Okay. So that,
1: okay All right, then don't go. I don't thought, go. I'm not going to go. I'm yeah. Go. Uh, but, Leon, I do want to recommend a book uh, by Janice Y.K. Lee. And the name of the book is The Expatriates. She is the author, uh, New York Times bestselling author of The Piano Teacher. Did mm-hmm. you ever read that book? I did, yeah. Okay. So she has a new book, uh, and it's set. that's uh, about expatriates living in Hong Kong. Um, and it's the story of three women and these women are perfectly imperfect is what I'd say and this book is just fantastic to read it is it is I couldn't put it down I've recommended it to a number of people and I want to recommend it to the Satellite Sisterhood because it's just a great book it's um if if you like because I was an expat I you know it is so well done from that perspective like all of the things that she talks about and how people live you know in some in some of these places um I could really relate to um but the women in the book the characters are just you know just so interesting so different um so strongly written that you really have a great deal of empathy for the three main characters in this book so the name of it is called the expatriates by janice yk lee
0: yeah it has been getting great reviews of course i thought of you when i saw it because um you know you were an expat so oh that's good to know you're the first person yes. know that's actually read it but yeah it's been getting great reviews so that's a good one to put on the list excellent okay. all right well so don't go to The Witch, but read ex- The expatriates. Excellent. Yes. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then come back for our super-sized Downton Gabby. Um, it really, even if you didn't see this episode, I think you're going to enjoy this recap, Julie. <laughs> We've worked hard on it, uh, right? No. All right. Take a break. We're the Satellite Sisters. We'll be right back. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm here with my sister Julie Dolan in Dallas, Texas. And this is our weekly recap of Downton Abbey. We call it Downton Gabby. And we are ticking down to the final episode in a couple weeks. But this week's episode was a supersized portion of the best of Downton Abbey, I thought. Julie, what did you think about this episode overall?
1: Wow! Oh wow! Oh wow, Leon! It had everything in it, and um, and I, you know, that's it was just so many storylines coming together, so much good stuff, so much emotion, drama. It was it was really well written. Everything about it, I loved.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The show was it was just B A N A N A S, wasn't it? It was bananas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was bananas. This
0: episode. <laughs> we finally bananas we got marriage proposals we got marriage unproposals we had you know we had it was just we had the big fight that we'd been waiting for for six seasons between lady lady mary and lady edith we had uh we had scandal we had a suicide attempt we had you know the triumph of the teacher just a lot happening here and I agree I think this was the best written episode in a long long time I think we finally got some great scenes that dived into the characters Character relationships and real emotion. There were a bunch of shows last season I thought were just logging through kind of the logistics of a household. But I felt like this one, the writers really dug deep. They gave the characters great monologues, don't you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely,
0: Liam. And I think let's just hand the Emmy to Lady Mary because this was her episode. I do not think there are enough superlatives for how good she was. You hated her. You loved her. You cried with her. You rooted for her. And finally, you were just really concerned that, like, Lady Mary and Henry Talbot would injure each other with their cheekbones when they kissed. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. Were those the two best
1: looking people in England getting married at the end of the show? I know, Leon. I just, I love it. I think he must keep a top hat in the boot of his car, yeah. right? I just hope. keep some morning suit ready to go for any occasion. Let's so, hope. To me, it,
0: Lady Mary has always been the most interesting character in the show. And I just really thought she brought it all home in this episode. She had a great show. I, okay, I think let's
1: not Edith as well. Edith had her best show ever. All the power to Edith. She she had she had quite an emotional journey in this episode as well. Lady. She
0: did. And it's sort of, you know, she made her bed and then she had to lie in it. And when that happened, she got really mad and she called Mary the B word. What was that? And she got to yell it twice. It was exciting. (laughs) That was scandalous. It was exciting. And then finally, just how kooky was it that Spratt showed up as, as... as the uh, advice columnist of the magazine, all season long, I was wondering, why are the writers spending so much time on this character? That's just not sort of the rules of TV writing. Like when you name a character and you keep going back to them, there has to be a payoff for that character. You can't ask the audience to care about someone and then not give a payoff. And then there he was as Miss Cassandra Jones, Spratt, showing up in the office of the
1: <laughs> magazine. Bananas. I did not anticipate that. Did you? No, I, I had, I had no idea. I kind of knew it probably wasn't going to be just, you know, you know, a regular person right. that it was, you know, that, that some mystery was going to be revealed, but it was a great sort of upstairs, downstairs, um, a twist to uh to the mystery. So I like that. Yeah,
0: I thought it would definitely be a man for sure, but I had no idea it was going to be Sprat. So that was really yeah. fun. All right, let's take this episode in um in order, Julie, cuz there was just so okay. much to dive through. Sometimes we do themes or sometimes we do characters, but in this one, we just have to take it for what it is. It's the second to last out Abbey episode. First of all, can I say I'm proud of us that we have we don't know what's coming in the final episode. I haven't read anything. Have you read anything?
1: No. No, yeah, I, I'm in my my cone of silence. I, I think our Downton Gabby reports uh, uh, reflect the fact that we do no research for for this. We just watch. We watch the episodes we bring our comments. To
0: that you. is true. Sometimes I go to do a touch of research and the next thing you know, I have to, uh, I have to click out because I do not want to know what's going to happen. You see the headlines. So we start the first opening scene. We learn, oh, there he is. The sergeant is back. Sergeant Willis with more news. Who has Bates killed? And no, we find that it's actually Mrs. Patmore's house of ill repute that he's there for. We speculated <laughs> that something was happening last week when we saw the photographer outside her new B&B. And it turns mm-hmm. out, yes, there was an adulterer, an adultering couple, adultering, what is the word? The couple yes. of adulterers using her B&B yes. as their romantic getaway. And the wife, the husband was following the wife. He had photos taken. And now Mrs. Patmore's little nest egg, her dream of a bB and b has all come crashing down under the scandal of a, a, a local newspaper scandal. And everyone but Mrs. Patmore thinks this is hilarious.
1: I know people are howling. They're laughing so hard. Anna and Mary, I mean I've never seen them laugh like that. They just everyone is enjoying this. Everyone at Downton Abbey is enjoying the fact that Mrs. Patmore is running the house of ill repute, okay? Except for Mr. Carson, because of course Mr. Carson feels that this is going to reflect poorly on Downton Abbey. But uh uh I I felt badly for Mrs. Patmore because you know she's really put her heart and soul in this little B&B and she's churning out those excellent breakfasts. I know. So we're
0: going to follow that along. And then the, the storylines really get going because we learn uh, that Bertie's cousin dies. Now, Bertie is the agent of a famous estate, of a famous house, the Lord of Hexham or whatever, Lord Hexum. And, <laughs> yes. uh, little, and we find out that his cousin has died in Tangiers. So that is all very suspicious, don't you think? Just the word Tangiers. Yes. Um, right. But Bertie is the one who's asked... To marry him, and he seems like a lovely chap and they seem well suited. But whoa, what happens? We do not know, but we find out that Bertie is the next in line to be the Marquess of Hexham. First of all, I did not know how that was how you said that. Marquis. Marquess, Marquis, Marquis. I thought Marquess, it was Marquess. Marquess? It's Marquis?
1: Like what is that? Yes. It's just a funny British way to pronounce it. Linda. I know. That's I thought all. it was Marquis or Marquess. Yes.
0: But Marquis, that's okay, that sounded wrong. But uh Edith announces you know with very she's very cool about the whole thing like well what do you know my my husband has now inherited a giant estate and i'm now going to be
1: more powerful than you and- yeah. Oh yeah, that was not going over well with Mary. She didn't like that one one bit. I thought Lord Grantham was just just going to burst uh, burst his the buttons on his shirt. He was so excited about the fact that they that one of his daughters had actually reeled in a marquis, a marquest, whatever, however Marquess. you say it, however
0: <laughs> mark, however you say it. He actually uttered the phrase goody gumdrops. And I think it's a sign that he should no longer be involved in any, anything with the estate. I'm glad that, I, that, I mean, just stick with the puppy and, and goody gumdrops. So yeah, he's totally psyched. And he announces to the whole family that now Edith will outrank us and except Mary, the look on Mary's face, it was really like she had sucked a lemon, right? Right. It's
1: and total then. Total sour. Plus. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I like the fact that she didn't even believe it. Like I don't even think that's true.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is hard to believe when you saw Birdie. Okay? Yes. So yes. that that you know the man who could not take public transportation. You know the man that's always showing up late and you know having to carry his own bags and walk around. Okay, but there were some alarm bells with Birdie, Lynn. Okay, I mean because he was so close to his mother. You yeah, know, and. Yeah. And his mother has a very strong personality. We learned this as part of it. I was like, Edith, don't walk. Run, Edith, run, get away. That that, that was going to be trouble, I think. Yeah. And Bertie freaked the whole Grantham family out, when, or
0: the Crawley family out, when he actually showed emotion about his cousin's death. Like when he actually choked up, they had no idea how to handle that.
1: Just please go to your room. Please yeah. go unpack your bag or do something. Yeah. But don't please. sit here in the, you know, library and be blubbering. You know, they they don't go for that. They're Brits. So, but the pressure is really on Edith now
0: to tell the truth about her secret baby, Marigold. And, you know, it didn't seem that much pressure last week when he wasn't going to be the Marquess. But now yeah. that he's oh, going to... En- Marquess. <laughs> I don't even know what he's going to be now. Lord Hexam, okay. So he's now going to be Lord uh, and, um But now, you know, uh, Cora is on her so that she's got to tell the truth. Rosalind, the aunt, is on her that she's yes. got to tell the truth. Lord Grantham doesn't really want to, you know, queer the whole deal. He wants her to have a little bit of fortune, but even he knows that she has to come clean. And uh, the only one that doesn't really know that is Edith. I mean, so just remember that. Okay. When things get rough later, remember, Edith had it within her power to change her life and she did not. So, okay, uh, Liam.
1: I'm, I'm just saying,
0: I this. think, I think people are jumping all over Mary and Edith, Edith really made her own bed there. You know? I mean, that's a big secret to hide the secret baby,
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, it is. Liam. Okay. Just saying. I totally agree with you. <laughs> the secret baby. Is it?
0: Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. But the whole group goes back to being English when Henry Talbot shows up unannounced and, you know, he pretends, he's grieving over his friend, but there's no tears with Henry Talbot. You don't get any blubbering in the library, right? You right. just get dashing and, oh yes, oh yes, terrible, terrible tragedy. And order is restored. So they can just go back to being British over that, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That was excellent. I was, you know, he just happened to be in the neighborhood driving around in a sports car. But, of course, he has, you know, he has formal dinnerware in the boot, as, mm-hmm. uh, as they would say. So he's ready to go and will, and ready to spend the night at Downton Abbey.
0: And Mary is none too pleased, but there's nothing she could do now because the invitation has been extended by Cora. So even though she tried to break up with them and she swears it's over, here he is looking fine, looking just very fine. So now we go downstairs because they're having a whole storyline down there, too. Mosley has the opportunity to teach at the local school and so he goes he's prepared what he thinks is a Bafo, you know lecture for the first day and uh, the kids at the school are basically throwing papers at him and not listening and he's (laughs) totally in over his head being
1: Mosley again isn't he right I know I know because you know he's he's very earnest. He's, you know, he's really excited about this opportunity and, you know, to get out of the life of service and to be in education where he always wanted to be. And he was hoping to really impress the kids with, with um, just his knowledge and his, you know, and his lesson plan, but it didn't work out that way. No. And and so I'm thinking, I was thinking in the episode, oh, it's a disaster. He's going to quit. He's going to go back to Downton Abbey. He's going to be trouble but he but he sort of sucks it up land he, he you know he 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 doesn't complain about it and he tries to work out and he decides to go back in and teach another day right yeah he reassesses
0: the situation i thought it was interesting one of his mates downstairs actually said basically keep your expectations low because they're just village children like that yeah. That, and that was one of the servants sort of mocking their own. So uh, it I, I, I was felt sorry for Mosley, actually. He's never been really been my favorite character, but there was a lot of humanity in Mosley. There has been over the last couple of episodes. And then we see Mr. Carson just continuing to be unlikable. After five and a half seasons of being excellent, they've just decided to make him unpleasant. So he's going on and on about the Everyone's bringing down the house of Downton, except for him. Apparently he continues to be a curmudgeon. Uh, Mrs. Patmore's grand scheme continues to be ruined. It looks like it's getting worse and worse. Her, her lodgers are dropping out. The bookings have fallen and she thinks this is it. And then we find out Daisy passes her exam. So that was a nice moment there finally, yeah
1: finally she passes those with high Lee, and i yep. was glad about that yep so i you know i think uh, good for daisy she worked really hard and thank goodness i was a little nervous when he when he handed her the envelope as to whether or not she passed i thought oh no don't let her not pass right so,
0: right no that, so, that was there, a nice that was moment. dramatic tension yeah yes excellent and then we see thomas in the beginning of this episode he's just practically wearing a sign that says i'm out of here but i i know there <laughs> weren't Right? I mean, there was a lot of speculation on the Facebook page, Satellite Sisters, last week. Do we think Thomas may try to end his life? I said yes last week. So he he looked terrible, and he was letting it know, be known to people that uh, he, he was going to do something dramatic. So that's happening downstairs in the beginning of the episode. Then we have to go back upstairs because, you know, Henry is—Henry's on board, and we want to see what Henry wears to dinner, and it's good. But Mary is not having any of it. She's furious that he's back uh she's she she cannot rec. do you think she's really a snob i mean is she really a snob i think she is a snob she yes, just can't I, she, reconcile the fact that he has no prospects you know
1: right right that she you know she is a snob she's proud to be a snob she has accepted the snob's life and and that henry just doesn't fit into that and, but she put on that black sequin dress i know with those midnight blue evening gloves I mean, whoo, she looked ma- amazing. Right. If she wanted to, like, cast him off
0: her, that was not the outfit to do it. I mean, she, like, never. No, right? And then she was, like, demanding that her mother get rid of him. I'm like, stop with that outfit. And, and then there's a dramatic scene. She sort of storms out of the after-dinner drinks, and Henry follows her up the stairs, and she, she kind of pulls a reverse Pride and Prejudice there, where she basically tells him, like, against my better judgment, I've fallen in love with you. But it's very harsh. She makes it very clear to henry she doesn't want anything to do with them and so much so that he does end up leaving very abruptly in the morning but meanwhile we know
1: but he said that he just he but but he but you have an idea of henry's strength and that you know he uh, that mary has met his match that this guy is not cowering in front of Mary when she gets all snobby on him and stuff like that. I mean, he just stands there all tall and beautiful and handsome and, you know, and he takes it, Leon. He takes it. And, uh, And he's coming back for more. He is not giving up on Mary.
0: You know what? I may have to stop this recap and just go watch it again. I mean, you're right. That was a good scene. That was a good scene. And then we get to the critical scene for Edith because Bertie, he has to go to Tangiers to do something with the Lord Hexham, his cousin until he becomes Lord Hexham. And so he pressures her in the hallway as they're going to bed. Please say yes. And she has that moment there, Julie. I am sure we were all doing the same thing, screaming at her on the TV, just to say, tell Bertie in the hall, tell Bertie in the hall about the secret baby. But she (laughs) does. She (laughs) She doesn't. She doesn't. doesn't It's on
1: her lips but then she swallows it and yep. kisses him instead and yep. so she's consented to the marriage without talking about the secret baby right
0: and so the next morning oh that was awesome mary comes that down
1: that best one of the i mean just did you scream in that scene yes. or what yeah it was, just, oh! it, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a screaming scene if you have not seen it you you're going to scream in it okay so, yeah, Mary
0: comes down. Everyone's like, you're late. And she's like, I'm not late. <laughs> I just thought that's the best. Don't tell me I'm late. I'm not late. But she's shocked that Henry is gone. She she can't, you know, she's shocked and heartbroken that he has, in fact, walked out on her. Like, she told him to leave, and guess what? He left because, right. you know, he's not going to stand there, uh, and he's going to regroup. Um, but there's Birdie, and Birdie wants to announce to the whole happy family that uh, they're engaged and they have some news to share. And then you know it, Julie. You know oh. that Mary is going to say something, don't you?
1: I was like, don't go there, Mary. Don't go there. just You, you made the one comment about you know, some vague comment that could have been passed on and, you know, Bertie wouldn't have been wiser, but she went there. She went all
0: the way. Right. She, she said, how lovely of you to, you know, uh, given Edith's past, her checkered past or something. And then Edith ha- finally has to spill the beans that Marigold is my daughter. I have a secret baby and poor, poor Bertie. Yeah, I mean that's a shocker. That's a
1: shocker at that breakfast table. I mean that was a shocker. <laughs> and Tom, Tom again is gobsmacked. I mean, there's no other words. He just because he just cannot believe that Mary did that. That she, you know, just destroyed her sister like that. And Edith just took it right. Yeah. Well, what there's again. She, well, it's true. It's not like it was a lie. She has a secret baby, but, and like, she. <laughs>
0: This guy, he <laughs> comes from a very well-to-do family with a mother who's very proper and they have larger things. As we know, this class of people has larger things to care for than you know their actual selves so it actually matters like that she has this daughter and it matters and and we learn that Bertie is not pleased and he breaks the engagement off because as he said not because he he's objects to marigold but he objects to the fact that edith did not tell him that edith would go i
1: think he objects to marigold yeah and I, i and i'm sure given his mother he knew that you know, grandma was not going to take, uh, it was, uh, you know, the mother wasn't going to take little Marigold in. So yeah, that was going to be problem.
0: Right. So for the second time in Edith's life, Mary has, (laughs) Mary has, uh, done her in with the bow. Remember that like hundred year old man, she was nearly engaged to in like season two. Right. And Mary sort of planted the seeds of, of unrest there. And then this time it was more overt. Now, Edith, to be fair, like turned on her sister, Mary, and informed everybody that she had had a dead man in her. She wrote, remember, she wrote the letter to the embassy. (laughs) Yes, she did. To the Turkish embassy. these
1: sisters. (laughs) Yeah. These sisters have been going at it, Liam. They have been going at it. Since the Titanic
0: went down, Julie. I mean, so that's just, it's like years and years of bad blood. And they both have their own indiscretions uh, that they are hiding, but they also have both turned on each other equally. So I, I thought it was a fair... I mean, Mary knew what she was doing, but when the fight happens, you know, it's the fight we've been waiting for. It's
1: a Titanic fight, really. (laughs) It is. It is. I mean, good for Edith. She is, she has come full steam. Okay. She is not going to be put down. It's not the woe is me, Edith, that we've seen for many seasons. She doesn't go, she comes out fighting and swinging and using some bad language, Lee. Yes.
0: Yeah. That was I didn't even know that was a word in nineteen twenty five,
1: the B word. I I was I that's exactly my question too. That 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 but apparently it was, Leon, at least in the in the countryside. So uh we
0: get the epic fight, Edith storms off to London, and then it's just a total pile on Mary. Like everyone piles on Mary and tells her what a horrible person she is. And you know what? Mary doesn't even care. Mary was like, What <laughs> was that scene with Lord Grantham when yeah, she does care. She put Lord Grantham down, and then Tom finally gets a good moment. Tom, who's been like, this season's Dr. Phil, finally gets yeah. to really yell and scream and show us some acting chops. It also is a little esque where, you know, Austin often uses the male characters to sort of explain to the main characters why their behavior is bad, like in Emma. So Tom gets his moment there and he gets to really cut loose on Mary and how could she do this? And that was a great scene. And many people on our Facebook page felt Tom looked hot in that scene.
1: (laughs) He looked hot because he's wearing three layers of tweed. That's why he looked hot. I, I know. But Mary still is not the least bit sorry. No. I mean, she is not sorry. She doesn't, she is... I mean, or if she is sorry, she's not showing it. No. And even Anna piles on. So it's all not so much about like, how
0: could you all have done this to Edith? They tell her that. But then they all, everyone tells her you're sad, you're miserable, you're lonely. You're going to be sad and miserable and lonely forever. You're lonely. You're sad. You're miserable. I mean, I
1: thought that was a little harsh. Everybody just piled on. I mean. Well, Leanne, think about it. They didn't. They don't have a lot of, you know, Mr. Talbots showing up at their doorstep right. every
0: day. You well, know, They have I mean, no one apparently now because every scene was just Rosalind, Cora, and Robert just
1: <laughs> standing alone in that. And house. the dog. And the dog. The cute little puppy in the basket who did a, a bang-up job in he this did. episode. Just, he did. Just gnawing at the basket. Just plenty. That was plenty. He yeah. Did. I mean, they used so, to have
0: friends over, but now they have the older generation has no one now. They got nothing.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, so this was really, you know, they, they don't get many chances. So she really had to pounce on on Mr. Talbot if she wanted him.
0: All right, so Dan, then we have to go downstairs because um, we, we we see that Thomas actually has attempted suicide. That was a very sad scene,
1: right? That yes, was, it was. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week. I felt that it was moving in that direction, Leanne. Our opinion of Thomas has really changed. I mean, you know, here he, he was this sort of scoundrel, But over time, we see that, you know, he really, you know, came to like the Downton Abbey family and that, you know, he was rejected by all of them. He was rejected in his attempts to find another job and just really feeling all alone and very depressed. So I really felt sorry for him. And I was glad that so many people came to his
0: aid. Yes. I mean, it really sobered up the entire household. I mean, so much so that Mary had to pour her own tea. So that, <laughs> I mean, okay. woo. I mean, that's a wonder. They could pour their own tea because Carson had to go, you know, deal with Thomas. And then there was that very nice visit in Thomas's bedroom where Mary comes up with Master George and there's, you know, they're drawing, the writer's drawing parallels between the two characters that they're sad and lonely and trying to find their place in the world. and, And Master George did speak in that scene, Julie. How did you feel about that?
1: The same way I always feel. It was terrible. Like, just uh, I wanted to take that orange and jam it in his mouth. No more talking. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, really, the... <laughs> I want those kids like asleep or in strollers walking away. But to give that kid a speaking line, come on.
0: He's pretty cute though. I have to say, little master. Oh, oh please. Uh, you know, that's the other thing. I don't know why there's all over Mary. I mean, how old is George? Like three years old? It's not like it's been that long, really, since Matthew has died. Three or four years, she's allowed to recover. So the pile on about know, you're miserable, you're sad, talk, you're lonely.
1: Tick tock, Leanne. I mean, she's, even Mary said she doesn't have that many more years, good years in front of her. Yeah. I mean, there's she's not always going to be able to fit herself into that black sequin dress, you know? Okay. So in the
0: meantime, Mosley finds his groove in the classroom. He reaches out to the students of other servants. You know, uh, he reaches out to these, these village kids on their own level and, and says, I'm not fancy. I'm not a tough, I'm, I'm someone just like you. And I see education as a way to get out and change my life. And some, for some reason, they listen to him. It actually means a lot to them. And then he slays that divine right lecture. And, uh, Daisy is listening. <laughs> outside. And I think we're going to see Daisy moving into teaching in the finale. That's what I think. I think we're going to... I hope
1: Yeah. I hope so. I think that would be good. I think it was a great way to deal with the, with the issue of class and, uh, and authority. Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's a scene where Bates and Anna are talking, and I don't really remember much about what they say, except I just get the sense that Bates has the urge to kill again. You know, I just... <laughs> <laughs> I know,
1: I know. We don't trust him. I, I, yeah, I was thinking, Lee, and I was like, please, no more murders. Uh, you know, in the in this final episode, no, nobody else should die. Uh, you know, so I don't know whatever um, homicidal tendencies Bates has. Please, just you know, create some dramatic device where he's not able to execute
0: those to kill again. Right. So then we have to go sure. back upstairs to wrap up this, this extra long episode. Uh, all right. The Crawleys decide to do one decent thing in their lives and they're going to go down and have tea at Mrs. Patmore's house and save, uh, and save the day for her. It's a total PR stunt that they're going to go. There'll be people there. There'll be a photographer and they will restore dignity to Mrs. Patmore's B and B. And that was a nice gesture. I thought.
1: Yeah, they were really slumming it and they were enjoying it and they eat- Even took a picture with Mrs. Patmore. So very nice. Yeah. And
0: then we have the Dowager Countess returning from the south of France. She has fled there because Cora has stabbed her in the back and she needs time to recover. And she comes back at Tom's urging. Tom is the only one who knew how to reach her. Tom is the only one she really seems to trust. And she comes back and she just has a dynamic scene with Mary in the bedroom that was very moving where we, you know, we see... First of all, the Dowager says you're the only woman who actually likes to be cool and in control and sort of unliked. Like, that's your that's your jam, that people don't like you, yeah. which that's why I like her, because she doesn't care if people don't like her. And that's when Mary really breaks down and confesses that she just doesn't want to be a crash widow again. Like, it has nothing to do with class and this and that, although I think it has a little bit to do with class. But um, she doesn't want to be a crash widow again. Very moving
1: scene. It was Uh, That was one of the most touching scenes I've ever seen. There's, there was so much love and the Dowager countess makes the appeal. Yes. Tradition is important, but love trumps all. And that, you know, that's really important. And when they embraced, I thought it was so sweet and so dear. I I loved it, Leanne.
0: Yeah. And then Mary goes and visits Matthew's grave to sort of ask for permission to marry again sobbing I was sobbing by the end of that scene I thought I, that was an unbelievable scene it
1: could have been hokey right it could have been hokey but it was beautiful Leanne. it was a yeah this was really Mary's show she just it was a beautiful scene so uh so Mary like kicks and I mean she's
0: had quite a day it's been quite, <laughs> I was trying to do the timeline on this I was like has this just been one really long day or like 24 hours where we had her her like You know, ratting on Edith, and then we have Thomas, and then we have Mosley, and then Mary picks up the phone, and Henry just hightails it back to Downton
1: Abbey, and... (laughs) Well, he's a race car driver, Leanne. He can get there by tea time, right? And he did. And I'm sure, much
0: like the scene with Edith, everyone on the couch in America was just screaming, tell him that you love him, tell him, but instead she gets more tea, which I thought was lovely.
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah she tries the coolness first but you know that was a great great embrace great kiss uh and then it just she just happens to have a marriage license in his pocket leon okay that's our kind of guy isn't it
0: he's ready to go he's taking charge he yeah and you know an uncle who's a uh who's a um not a priest a bishop right right and even mary bishop, says well, a
1: bishop of canterbury yeah Yeah, it's it's somebody they got some church guy, so he's good to go and they they're going to get married right away. Yeah, within a couple of days, like not
0: a big fancy wedding. They're just going to go for it in a couple of days. And uh, the wedding Mary's dressed beautifully for the wedding, that wedding dress, simple, elegant cream. And Edith returns and uh, again, an absolutely beautifully written scene between the two sisters who sort of agree that we will never be best pals. But as Edith said, we're the, we're the keeper of memories. We, you know, eventually we'll be the only two that remember Sybil and all the others in their lives, Carson and, and all the others in their lives. And I thought that was a very, that was just a very underplayed, underwritten scene that I thought was great.
1: It was great. she talked about the sisterly bond that of shared experiences that no matter what, no matter all the terrible things that they've done to each other said to each other, they are ba- You know, they are bound by their, um, shared experience. So and, we got Yep. And we wrap it up. The two best looking people in
0: England get married. Uh, <laughs> Just, I mean, that was they just an just... astonishing, astonishingly attractive couple, and I uh... know.
1: yeah. But the wedding, like top hats, they had the morning suits, they had the boutonnieres, gorgeous flowers, the horse drawn carriage, which I thought was a little odd because you would think they would drive away in a race car. You know, I did too. I wondered drive, if
0: I... that was, yeah. I, I mean, that seems, yeah. I, I thought that was odd too. I mean, I, I don't know if that was like a nod to, there had been so many moments of Jane Austen throughout that whole thing. I wondered if that was a nod to Austen, but um, uh, you know what that might be, or obviously to the past, but I thought it was more specific. Yeah. I thought they would zip away in something zippy, you know, that that would have been zipping away to their modern future. Cause as in Lord Grantham say something obvious like that, like, There they go, a modern couple, you know. And I was like, Well, not in a horse-drawn carriage. And then the last scene is Edith. She's sort of ditched out on the ceremony, and she's actually watching her own children, which is so shocking. Actually, she's left unattended with the children. I was concerned for their welfare. Wait, where are the nannies? no
1: nanny in sight yeah. yeah the day and night nannies yeah
0: and the children are running around in a cemetery and i assumed that was sybil's grave did you have that sense yes yeah, yeah. so yes. uh yeah so now we just have one episode left it's the big finale um okay julie i have a couple of It's sort of a wish list of what I want the finale to look like. Okay. Okay. I don't know if if you watched Six Feet Under, that show from HBO 10 years ago, but their finale was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it was a show about people dying. So what they did in the finale was they fast forwarded all the characters through their life and then eventually we saw them die. And I know it sounds grim, but it was a show about death, but it was... The oh. most satisfying finale because you got, like, a little life and a little death. You're like, oh, that's what happened to the character. Like, the way they did it was unbelievable. I would love to see Down <laughs> do something like that. I could also just go with the nonstop tearjerker finale, like Friday Night Lights or Lost, where I pretty much just cried. The minute the music came on, I started crying with Friday Night Lights, and then I was sobbing by the end. Or... Maybe it's like a Mary Tyler Moore thing where the whole lot of them just group together in that giant front hall and like shuffle out the front door together.
1: Well, I don't know Leon, but I, I I'm hoping there will be a great celebration, okay, in this final episode. I think we need something, you know, I don't know whether it's Christmas, another wedding, but I want to see everybody as, as dressed up and as dolled up as possible. And I want to see lots of incredible flower arrangements. Okay.
0: Okay, um, <laughs> okay
1: that, good. That's that's what I'm looking for in my uh in the final episode. I would like Tom needs a love interest yeah. I want to see Tom like in, in the corner you know of the grand hall you know making out with that cute editor yeah that's what I would like yeah I agree Anna I I do not want to see her in childbirth but if she wants to you know have a baby in her arms that sounds great you know yeah I really don't want anyone else to die in this no you know? me neither um I, uh, Isabel, I do not think is going to get back with Birdie in any sense, uh, whether or not that Nazi boyfriend of hers comes back. I don't know. Okay? So Edith, to uh, me, Edith,
0: not Isabel. Edith. Edith yeah. Edith. Yeah.
1: Not, not Edith. Edith with the boyfriend uh and what about isabel do you think she and dickie uh, uh lord dickie will get together there no i i actually don't
0: yeah i don't think
1: that i don't think yeah. there's
0: going to be that that's he, he doesn't okay. do much for me so i feel like you know isabel and violet are going to live out their days together
1: <laughs> <So>. yes yes <laughs> yeah i I, I, mean, yes. I think i think that I think the themes of family and love and, you know, supporting each other were really evident in this past episode. So I would like to see that just really ramped up in the final episode. Okay. And as for those kids, no more talking. (laughs) The only way I want to see those kids is if they do some fast forward thing and they turn into hot looking teenagers, (laughs) then they can have lines some dialogue. So I'd like to see the dog a little Theo a little bigger. You know, yeah. maybe another little puppy friend. That would be good. <laughs> but I don't want anything to happen to Lord Grantham. You know, I just just one big celebration at the end would be great. A oh, great Julie, I like party. it yeah. 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 That would be that would just be with as much production, you know, stuff as they can do. Not a simple little party. Just like they need to have some giant Downton Abbey event that's what I would like for the final episode
0: okay and that would require I would just like to see Henry Talbot in a tux or the entire episode so that sounds like gets <laughs> okay. <fits>
1: with you <laughs> yeah yeah,
0: yeah we just, don't want to see
1: him in those racing overalls no. and with that Snoopy the Snoopy helmet on no he doesn't need that just keep him in the tux with the top hat yeah that's a good idea
0: All right, so not next week. Next week you can watch behind the scenes. Obviously it goes up against the Oscars next week and PBS isn't stupid. So they're not going to put the finale up against the Oscars. So that's why it won't be until that first Sunday in March. So we have plenty of time to speculate. We have plenty of opportunity to rewatch this episode several times uh, beforehand to be completely ready. I, I thought it was fun. Like I've noticed places around here having a finale watching party like the Huntington Library in Pasadena has having a public viewing party but i don't want that i just want to be alone in my house on my couch yes. where i've watched it alone for six years <laughs> me too,
1: too and i don't want anyone talking to me i no. don't want to have to explain any characters or back, back yes i want to be home alone that's where everyone should watch downton abbey <laughs> <laughs> so, all
0: right. We are the Satellite Sisters. Uh, thank you for joining us today. We know you have lots of speculation, so feel free to, to join our Facebook group. There's a lot of Downton Abbey discussion there. If you have found us through the Downton Abbey recaps, we welcome you to the Satellite Sisterhood. We have lots and lots of podcasts you can download at iTunes or at our website, SatelliteSisters.com. All right, Julie, have a great week. You too, Leon. And don't forget, call your satellite sister.